0: Talk
1: Radio. Welcome. This is Marcia Nelson, your host of the New Feminine Wealth. I am thrilled today to have as my guests two of my colleagues here on sylviaglobal.com, and they have their own show. It's on just before mine. So next week, I want you to sit down uh, an hour and a half earlier with your cup of coffee and your first croissant and listen to my two guests on their show, which is Wealth Psychology with Emily and Jamie. They are Emily Bouchard and Jamie Traeger Muni. I invited them to be on my show today because I've heard them give such wisdom to people about an element of the new feminine wealth that is essential to women, is, is a really, really important issue to women, and it is children. Our children are the most important thing in our lives, and we want to be able to raise our children well. We want to be be, be as sure as we can be that we're giving them the right messages to help them become very balanced, stable, uh, generous, and wise people as they grow up and, and grow older. There's a piece to that, that most people haven't been taught. That's why what Emily and Jamie teach is so needed. And it's how to have, well, they teach many things, and they'll tell you a little more about that. But the one I've asked them to talk about today is how to talk with children about their family's wealth and how to raise those children so that they are empowered by the resources they have, but they don't grow up entitled. Welcome, Jamie and Emily. I'm so happy to have you here. And Emily, you're talking to me really practically from down the road. We're both in California. And uh, Jamie, you're calling in from Israel. That's um, a pretty long
0: phone call, but you're living there these days. Is that right? I am. My family and I moved here three years ago um, from the Bay Area. So um, it's, it's uh, particularly, um, I don't think interesting is the right word. Uh, I'm not sure what the right word is right now um, about living in Israel. It, it's quite a unique experience right now.
1: Um, well, now a lot and, of people are going to hear this show on the replays, so it could be months or even years later because people put these shows sometimes in their libraries. But, right now is a tense time, and uh, there's uh some potential escalation of fighting there, and I know that we're all praying for for peace and I just you have a unique perspective because you were there just briefly, can you tell us how that is affecting you what it's like
0: it it's very interesting. It, it's it's nerve wracking, and this is the first time in 20 years that um, bombs have come so close to the area. You know, reach really um, city centers of of Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Um, part of the reason that we moved here three years ago was that it's been my husband's um, lifelong mission to be part of the peace process, and he. Didn't feel like he could uh, have nearly the impact from San Francisco that he could have from here. Um, so it continues to sadden us personally. And I think, um, you know, our friends that, that there continues to be such strife in this area and bloodshed. Um, and it's particularly um, germane as we talk about um, our children. And how much do you tell them? We're talking about it in terms of wealth and money, which is often a taboo subject that people don't want to talk about. And, you know, here, children on both sides are being exposed to things that kids shouldn't have to be exposed to, living, you know, having to go into bomb shelters, being afraid. So it's been a very interesting experience about how you have open conversations with kids and you're transparent and at the same time, manage the information so that you're not flooding them um, or bombarding them more than they need to be. And I think um, while the circumstances are certainly vastly different um, between talking about, you know, being in a war area and talking about inheriting wealth or having wealth, um, actually the way that you handle it is is very similar. So, um, and I, I know that we'll be talking about that in greater depth as the as the show continues.
1: Well, thank you for bringing us your perspective, and um, we do all hold peace in our hearts for that part of the world, especially right now. And uh, Emily, I'm so glad to be talking with you. Tell my listeners a little bit about your background. I listen to your show, so I'm very familiar with what you have to say, and let's introduce my listeners to you and... What it is about this topic that you love so much
2: oh thank you marcia i i i am really passionate about this topic, and I'm so grateful you asked us to come and speak about it um i uh my gosh to in a nutshell i um i have a uh undergraduate degree on um child development I created a independent uh study because I didn't have a degree in child development at University of Pennsylvania when I was an undergrad, and I said, I want to study child development, and they let me create my own major. So I got a chance to take social work classes and go to the Graduate School of Education and go to Wharton and look at it from a business perspective and statistics. It was quite an exceptional experience. And then I uh, ended up working with children who were really dramatically impacted by illness. Uh, worked in therapeutic camping for years, and worked as a child life specialist in a hospital setting with physically ill children. And I started to look at how illness impacted a family system and got a master's degree in social work with an emphasis on marital and family therapy. And so I became really interested and engaged in this whole conversation about how can families be strengthened and uh, move through life's challenges effectively. And I know it was also spurred by the fact that uh, my mother died very suddenly of a cerebral hemorrhage, uh, an aneurysm bursting, when I was 14 and she was 44. And I really, uh, on the front lines there, got to see what that bomb was like and how our family dealt with it, which was... um, everybody kind of isolated onto themselves and there was not a lot of um what I needed, which was uh the emotional support, the space, the container to really grieve and have whatever I was having, whether it was anger or, you know, despair. And um I I became passionate about how do I help support um, children and families in being able to navigate very um tense difficult, painful situations in ways that really strengthen and enliven uh, the family as opposed to uh, tearing it apart. And mm-hmm. then through a series of really extraordinary events, I became a stepmother and then a step-grandmother pretty in rapid succession, and I started a um, support group for stepmoms and for couples um, dealing with blended family issues and started writing about it. And um I also was introduced to somebody who worked with families on transitioning wealth from one generation to the next about my expertise around blended family issues, and they ended up saying, well, we want you to work more closely with these families because there's not just blended family issues, but there's a lot of conflict and a lot of pain, and you seem to understand how to communicate effectively with that. Met Jamie through that, and then Jamie uh, invited me to become managing partner of her company, Wealth Legacy Group, um, when she and Evan decided to move to Israel. And Jamie is a phenomenal PhD wealth psychologist um, who's a thought leader in this whole arena and it's just an honor and privilege and um, I have the utmost respect for her and her work and doing whatever I can to get that out into the world so that people really can get the benefit of living healthy, peaceful, um, productive, Sustain lives, you know, what you described earlier, Marcia, where they can feel balanced and stable and generous um, in the midst of whatever is going on for them, the blessings and the potential curse of um, uh, wealth, so their well-being is really strengthened. So there's my long-winded answer to your question.
1: Oh, perfect. Beautiful. Because you both of you have... you you bring a real solid background, each of you, due to this. And I wanted my listeners to know that sometimes I, I in all honesty, sometimes I have people on my show just because I meet them somewhere and I find them fascinating and It's the kind of conversation that I want to continue on air just because they're just really fascinating people and they've got a really good slant on things. And I invited the two of you because I do find that to be true when I listen to you, fascinating, really good slant on things. And you both have a solid background behind you. And I think it's really important that people know that, especially when we're talking about issues of money and also uh, family dynamics, and emotional issues. Uh, The emotional impact of wealth on people is varied, and it's really important, I think, that we address the specific aspects of that, such as how to talk with children about their wealth and what comes with that. You used Emily. You used a really strong word there, and I love that you and Jamie used this word. It. Um, I already forgot what it is. It's, it's a. Uh, the. the um, what is it? Say the. Say the thing again. It's the negative part. What was the negative word about that you used about wealth? See how to avoid. The, well, it's maximizing we like to maximize. The the,
2: yeah. It's what? <laughs> what?
1: I couldn't hear you. Do it again. Emily, tell me. What is it?
2: Uh, we talk about
1: working with people to
2: maximize the blessings and minimize the potential curse. Or
1: I, I love burden. this is a curse. I don't know why I could not remember that word. That's so funny. It's such a strong word, and it jumps out at me each time I see it in in your writing and each time I hear you say it. it because, you know, part, talking about wealth, in any any moment of just talking about wealth honestly rather than judgmentally but just honestly is breaking a societal taboo for many reasons we shouldn't talk about money it's not polite in fact and i want to read a, a quote from somebody about that i think she put it really well in a moment um but it's a taboo and then to talk about it as a curse, it's almost a, a taboo to use that strong a term, and yet it really sums sums something up very specifically.
0: What is the curse? Let's, let's identify that, how that can play out. Well, I, this is Jamie. I want to jump in for a minute. I love, Marcia, that you even said there's a varied response of the emotional impact, because... Most people in our fantasy, we think that if you have money, there could only be one response, and that would be sheer joy. So (laughs) there's, you know, this fallacy that um, money equals happiness, and the more money I have, the more happiness I have. So most people don't even have in their thinking that there could be a varied response, and certainly they can't how it could possibly be a curse, which in a way adds insult to injury in that people then who are experiencing those feelings feel like they can't talk to anybody about it because nobody understands it and people think, you know, oh, I should only have your problems. Um, so that's, it's a, a, real that's a really
1: common phrase that people hear. I should only have your problems, or I'd like to have I'd like to have your problems. People people who are experiencing that challenge, that wealth challenge, they they hear that a lot, don't they?
0: Absolutely, and there's such an assumption in there. And then, like you said, if your reality doesn't match, and here you know all of our media, what people tell us is, you know, you want to have more money, it's better, it's bigger. Um, then people really start to feel isolated. And, um, you know, there there aren't real outlets. That's why um, when I started the business and um, after I got my Ph.D., why I went into this profession, because I found that people were very willing to talk to me about their sex lives. And they were willing to talk to me about money if they didn't have enough. But if they had more than enough, that was a subject that never came up um and even from my own experience um, as an inheritor, someone who grew up in a family business and um you know has family holdings together since on a family foundation, when I did my own psychological work, it wasn't a subject that I brought in, and when I really thought about it it's it is an important piece of my life um and and I think in our culture, regardless where you are on the money continuum, the conversation about money and our relationship to it is a very important one that, like you said, isn't happening because it's a taboo. You know, I... um
1: Work In my coaching, I've been doing life and business coaching for 25 years, and in the last several years, most of the coaching I've been doing is with high and very high net worth women. One woman said to me one day, and this is part of how it happens, you know, where people have these fabulous conversations and people say the most amazing things. One woman I met on the Napa wine train in California said to me when she found out what I did, she said, I was taught, I mean, this is her quote, I was taught that it's rude to talk about money. We had a lot of money when I was growing up, so that would have been a lot of rude to talk about it. So she she was very unprepared. If she had had advisors like the two of you, if she had had a show to listen to like, like the one we're doing today, It would have been extremely helpful. That isolation, Jamie, that you've just talked about, can be, I think, isolation in general is debilitating for people if it goes on for a long period of time about any issue of our life that's an important one to us. And to be isolated because we can't talk about money in the ways we need to is, Extremely painful. So that's that's one of the curses. It sounds like is that can happen it, with wealth is isolation, and parents don't want their children to feel that isolation. So one of the things that I imagine in wealth conversations that parents want to do for their children is to give them some skills or some understanding so that they won't have to feel so isolated, or if they do feel isolated, they will have some inner resources to draw on, or they'll know maybe what to do, who to talk to externally, who to seek out, who who can be
0: a safe person to talk with. Does that ring true? Absolutely. And it, it's one of the goals that Emily and I have, um, and I know one of all of our mission in um on Sylvia Global is to really open up this conversation and break down some of this isolation. Um and in particular, we are um we've been doing groups for women um and for young adults. And it's amazing that I, I just love what that the quote from that woman, it's a whole lot of rude. Um, inevitably when we do the first meeting, um, the first group meeting, it's usually about four hours long and maybe eight people. We don't get past introductions because people are so happy to finally have somewhere to tell their story and to really be honest about all aspects of who they are because they're sitting in a room of other wealth holders. They've never even had that opportunity. So I I think that's one of the most important things as parents that we can also try to find for our children's children avenues and for ourselves where we can be having these important conversations. Just like there's moms groups that exist or, you know, breast cancer support groups, whatever it is, that there's really groups where there are other people that people can be in conversation about this very real experience. Let's
1: get right into some specifics about how to have these conversations. And first I want to mention how listeners can participate with us in this conversation today. You can call us and you can speak with us online. We'd be thrilled. Uh and the phone number to call is 347-215 Six one three eight three four seven two one five sixty one thirty eight. If you would prefer email, email to listeners with plural listeners at sylviaglobal dot com. Listeners at sylviaglobal dot com, and put new feminine wealth question. In the subject line, so the producer will pick it right out and forward it to me. You can also uh, ask your question on Twitter with the hashtag of NFW for New Feminine Wealth, NFW Radio. Also, there is, with all this social networking, the list goes on and on and how to contact us. Uh, But if Facebook is your thing, please go to the Sylvia Global Facebook page and post your question there, and that will get forwarded to us as well. So you have plenty of ways to contact us, people. So we'll be thrilled to take your questions or comments. If you're relating to some of these experiences we're talking about, talk to us. Let us know. So uh Emily
2: are
1: there I have identified one thing I think that people speaking with their children want to address or help their children prevent as one of the pitfalls or curses of wealth to to not be isolated. That's one. Maybe are there a couple others? Let's give our listeners maybe the top 3 topics or uh Subjects that they want to address with their kids that would be the most helpful, the most stabilizing, and supportive, and empowering.
2: Oh, I love how you phrase that because um, I think that the biggest one is one you mentioned right at the beginning as you start to introduce this this topic, which is, uh, you know, the biggest question we get from parents is how do I deal with the entitlement issue. And, you know, some some people come out saying, I do not want them to be spoiled or I'm noticing how spoiled they are. Um, And we want to shift that language because Jamie and I are really passionate about um, how we language and um, what we focus on. So I like how you said that, Marcia, in terms of empowerment. And we talked on the last show we did this morning on resilience and um, building skills and how to acknowledge the reality that the children are in, which is very privileged in some cases, and how to move effectively with that so that they can really handle the responsibilities that come along with that privilege. And there's some really phenomenal books that um, parents can find really helpful to understand that, um, and we can refer people to those. uh, And I think... The main thing that I do a lot of work with parents on uh, is age-appropriate ways that are very relevant to uh, really raise children that are um, empowered and can have conversations related to uh, their money, their decisions related to their money, and uh, what does it mean to have wealth and that capacity on many levels. And I know, you know that's exactly what Jamie does as well. So um,
1: that, oh. That's the number one. Okay. And what would be then the number two or the number three?
2: Well, the isolation one is big in terms of um, who do I have that I can relate to. And this really big concern parents have around not wanting their children to be taken advantage of. In other words, uh, we're... They, there's a sense of don't talk about it. Not just because it's rude, but also because you don't want other people to know about it because of how they might use you or take advantage of you. And parents hate that concept of their children being taken advantage of.
1: Absolutely, that's huge. And and I think kids become aware at an early age if they they catch on at some point if they're being taken advantage of or if or. They might have a, they might learn that through the school of hard knocks, but I think it happens pretty early. Kids sense when someone is inauthentic, so I think it's a it's a concern for the kids too. Um, well, and it's, especially maybe it's, even as teenagers.
2: Yes, and not just sensing when others are inauthentic, but also being trained to actually be inauthentic, like. Mm. I remember one a dear, dear client um, who became a friend, uh, she talked about how um, it was her birthday. I think it might have been she was um, six or seven, and um, the family, they lived in Beverly Hills. They had plenty of money, and she was so excited for the, her birthday. She was being taken to Disneyland, and it was her first time to go, and she was so thrilled, and they get up to the, the ticket area, and there's a difference in price in the ticket from whatever age she had just changed from. So let's say she was five to six, and they had some difference in age. Children five and under, this price, um, over five, this price. So you imagine, this child is so excited. She's like, it's my sister! I'm six years old. And her father stops her, makes her wrong for that, and says, no, today you're still five that he could get the lower price, even though she grew up in this sense of privilege and wealth and abundance. And all of a sudden, the message in her little body was, it's not okay for me to be authentic and real in the world about who I am and that money is more important. In that moment, can you imagine all of the different meanings that she made about money and
1: life because of that? Wow. That... It, it, you know, it makes your heart ache for people when you hear stories like that, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It's, it's so formative. Um,
2: oh, and it's and it's those little messages that happen all the time. And so when parents come to us and they want to look at the children and what do I need to do about the children, we always start with children are always going to learn much more about who you are and what you're modeling and what your values are that you are embodying versus those that you tout and speak and say, especially if you are not living them. They I mean yeah. I think what you said about it's that inauthenticity, it's that hypocritical. Children sniff that out in a heartbeat. Do you yeah. mean what you say?
1: They they sniff think, it out, they don't always even recognize what it is. So it it can be kind of crazy making.
0: You know, we have a oh, new
1: a new question come in. Let me read it to you. Uh, I, I like this one a lot. Um, it starts, Many young adults try to claim their independence by making their own financial decisions without any advice from their parents and even rebel by ignoring any, vi- any advice they may be given. How do you recommend talking with your young adult kids who come into an inheritance around that time but did not grow up with it so they feel so that so that they feel they are independent and making their own decisions but can come to you for advice without giving up that independence or control of their finances? Oh, that's such a great question. Well, I want a
2: copy um, of that question. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know,
1: you know, this is a. We should put this on the Sylvia Global Facebook page. I'll I'll paste it in after the show, and go and give a you know a, a synopsis of an answer so that it's it's there for people to to see when they visit because it it is so important on so many levels. Please do, Jamie. Well, do you
0: want to start? I was thinking I, I'm going to give you know some of our proactive advice, and then Emily, if you can follow up with um, you know more of the when when you're already in that situation, um, our proactive advice for everybody, regardless of how much money they have, is to start kids even from the age of five with having their own money, um, with being able to have the concept of. Spending, saving, sharing. Um, we even have them do three little banks and they can divide up. If, you know, we really recommend that kids get allowance. Um, and also that parents allow their kids, even from the age of five, to make mistakes with money. And that they hold their tongue. You can certainly set whatever guidelines you want. For example, um In my family, we told our kids they weren't allowed to buy candy with their money. Um, But then we tried to really hold our tongues when they made purchases. And only afterwards, and maybe even like a week afterwards, did we come to them and say, how do you feel about your purchase? Are you happy with it? If you had it to do over again, would you do it? What did you like about it? So it's really their opportunity, and Emily knows – I. I always give the example of better that they make the mistake on, you know, my son once spent $16 when he was very young on growing seahorses that, of course, never grew. Um, But great that he made the mistake on $16 so that now that he's 14, he has a different relationship with money and he knows that he can come and talk to us or we can ask him afterwards. So that's sort of the proactive answer but it doesn't exactly answer the caller. So Emily, will you address that piece please?
2: Sure, yeah, I'm happy to. And I, a couple of things I want to add to what Jamie said in terms of structuring. I, um, I have a client that's um, working with me on um, resilience with her two daughters that um, when we started working they were uh, six and eight and now I think they're Um, 12 and 14. Um, And there was a lot of concern about how privileged they were growing up because both the parents had strong work ethics and had um, uh, through a uh, liquidity event through selling a company ended up with a a great amount of wealth. And so the girls were growing up in this privilege and this wealth and they weren't seeing the work ethic. And so we talked about the instituting of the allowance and having it the age appropriate and then we looked at uh the share safe spend phenomenon, and one of the things that the mother encountered was she would she would forget she would get busy, and then um it would be a problem later on in terms of tracking and the girls being upset and i and um I recommended that she set it up just like how life works when we um when we show up and we have let's say our payday on the um you know the fifteenth and the thirtieth we have an expectation of getting our check. And if we don't get it, it's up to us to go get the check. And so the girl, she set it up with her girls where if they didn't ask for their allowance on Saturday, they didn't get their allowance. So they actually had, it was on their, it was the onus was on the girls to make sure that they were tracking the money that was flowing into their lives as opposed to the parents being in charge of that. So that, there's one little feature and it also takes the you know the responsibility so off of the parents' shoulders and has the kids show up and say, Oh, this is mine, it's mine to track it uh, in terms of dealing with what this person uh wrote in I, first of all I'd say the reason we want that question posted is you are not alone there's a lot of people with that question, and you know how do I manage this and we spoke a little bit about this on the previous uh, show we just did, and it has a lot to do with shifting from holding the reins tightly, being the parent that's in charge, that, that really has held um, a lot of say and sway to shifting from telling to the possibility of showing and also the um, standing by with a place of curiosity, interest, and really Being honest and naming mistakes that you've made to open up new conversations. So if you have an adult child that's resistant and reactive and defiant, the best thing you can do is to be authentically and sincerely apologetic and acknowledge that you trained and produced this result because of how you had shown up previously about always knowing what they needed to do and not giving them a chance to maybe discover on their own. And maybe in your mind you did give them that chance and they're just being completely irrational and inappropriate. And I have to tell you that if you come from a place of, wow, there's a reaction here. There's some way that I'm interacting with you around this that is not working for you. I want to look at how I've been moving with you that has this be our dynamic around money so that we can start to shift it. You own it. You say I statements. You claim that you are not perfect and you don't know what you're doing and you need to fumble through this with them. You're going to have somebody who's going to be much more open and likely to be vulnerable with you around their own concerns as opposed to needing to be so defiant. That's where I would start.
1: That's pretty brilliant. It's it, The word that keeps coming to me as I listen to both parts of what you have just said, Emily, is empowering. Because what you've just described empowers the child. In their own experience, and gives an invitation for a different response, even though you might not be saying that directly to them. But also as a parent, there's so often there's so so often times when we feel at the mercy of our kids' responses or our kids' behaviors or their personalities, and it feels really terrible to feel like we're we're almost victims of their unreasonableness. And any time we can get into that compassionate place in ourselves about, oh, I had some part, perhaps unconsciously, in creating or supporting this pattern in some way, I find that empowering. It makes me feel like, well, now I'm engaged with this child, not simply at the mercy of their unreasonableness.
2: And one of the things I want to caution people about is don't take this on as a mea culpa and feeling really guilty. That's not what this is about. This is about not taking it so personally so that you can then be in a position of listening to their experience around it. And I think a lot of us get caught up in, as parents, having to do it right and needing to have all the answers. And I think the more we can show up as vulnerable not knowing and just being really interested and curious about navigating this with them, the more they get to feel like they can show up with who they are.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I want to also mention a resource to listeners about that whole topic of how to empower kids by teaching them to be engaged with their money early on. I really liked that snippet of a suggestion and that that example that you gave. I have interviewed a woman, this is one of the women that I met somewhere, and found out she was fascinating and very wise and had a lot to share, Kimberly Hudson. I interviewed her recently uh earlier this month and part two of the interview will be next week at uh, this time. Um, and, and I encourage people to go back and listen to part one, because in that conversation, she outlined exactly that experience of her te- her parents teaching her to be engaged with her money. She grew up in a very wealthy family. She knew she was going to inherit one day. Although when the event happened, she was staggered by the amount. She she wasn't prepared and yet she is so balanced and has her feet so on the ground and is so rooted in who she truly is. She has one of the healthiest relationships with money that I've encountered, and she traced it in part. Well, definitely she traced it to really good parenting in the ways that you and I are, and people listening are all thinking about and, and talking about today. But she she traced it specifically to at seven years old. Her parents started teaching her about money and as, as a young teenager she already started working for her money but her parents sat her down and showed her how to use a checkbook and balance a checkbook and they made it a really positive experience so that she loved doing it and she felt empowered and engaged and she said to this day if she really needs something's bugging her she just really needs a quick fix like instead of going to the freezer and getting out a half a gallon of ice cream, which in my world is a pretty good idea, uh, got, she'll, she'll physically get her checkbook. She said it doesn't work on QuickBooks. She gets her checkbook and she balances it. And it's purely because it's the, the neurology and her body experience a positive, grounding, balancing relationship with money. And I think when it's a visceral experience that we feel comfortable and at ease doing something like that that empowers ourselves, somebody's done something right along the way. So I really want to recommend that show with Kimberly Hudson. And then next week, uh, tune in for part two about that. It's pretty fascinating. I want to remind listeners, you're listening to The New Feminine Wealth here on Sylvia Global at sylviaglobal.com. And my guests today are two hosts of another show here on Sylvia Global. It is Wealth Psychology with Jamie and Emily. And my guests are Emily Bouchard and Jamie Traeger-Muni. You can join us. Call in. You know, that would be fun. You can don't be afraid to talk to us. You can tell we're all really lovely people and we're having a fun conversation, so join us. And you can email at listeners at sylviaglobal.com. You can post a question on Twitter using the hashtag NFW Radio for New Feminine Wealth Radio, NFW Radio, and you can go to the Sylvia Global Facebook page and write your question there and all of those those ways of contacting us will get forwarded here and we'll be addressing your question or sharing your experience so that you can be part of our conversation.
2: Marsha, this is Emily. Can I jump in with something that you shared um, that was really inspiring? I can't wait to listen to Kimberly's um, interview with you because uh, I'd love to give some parents some tips on how to make that experience pleasurable. Yes. Uh, I don't know about you, but I bet there's a lot of people whose bodies have the exact opposite response when it comes to balancing a checkbook and this is not pleasurable and the majority of households, the parents had that sense that it's rude and there was grumbling or there were fights around money or there was it was behind closed doors, the opposite. So shifting that in your own body is really important because if your body is uncomfortable and there is an inner conflict around it, your children are going to pick that up they're like little antennas go up for that so they have to feel like it's authentic and so if it's not pleasurable you can actually start with hey this is a necessity of life and one of the things i recommend to parents who have school-aged children is to sit down with the children when the children are doing their homework especially math homework and saying oh it's math time. It's time for me to look at our current balances while you guys are doing your math homework or while well, I got the credit card bill, I need to check that out while you're doing that. So that it they see relevance and engagement and it's like, "Wow, well, I'm glad that I understand about math as I'm looking at all these numbers." So it gives the children a sense of, "Oh, it's not homework for homework's sake and I hate homework." It's like, "No, this is part of life." And it may not be the most fun, but, you know, what can we do to make it more pleasurable? And one of the things that we know more than anything is children having quality time with their parents is the most important thing. And it is not about what you're doing. It's not about being entertaining. It's not about how much you've spent on them. It's about sitting down at the kitchen table with them and everybody doing something relevant to their lives. And that really matters. And if they see you, you know, oh, I can't get this this problem to work out, and you are struggling through it, it helps them struggle through their homework too, and being persistent and engaging with it that is huge, and it makes a big difference
1: let's Let's go into a template you know I've been promising my listeners a template for conversations because when people, when parents sit down to talk with their children about any subject that they themselves might not be comfortable with or they did not get the conversation done in a way that was uh, maybe the most helpful or the best or the most fluid, a template can be really, really helpful. We're, many people who are listening will be breaking new ground in their families to have this kind of conversation with their children about wealth. So let's give them some phrases to start with. What exactly, think in terms of template, what exactly should they say? They're going to say, what should I say?
2: That's such a great question. Um, And I'm so glad that you want to give your listeners that level of support. Uh, One of the things I want to say is a great resource that we we have, and it's good for any family, um, is estate planning for the blended family. And it's a book that I co-authored with a estate planning attorney who uh, turned consultant, uh, L. Paul Hood, Jr. And the book looks at very nuts and bolts uh, issues related to estate planning, anything you could possibly imagine around it. And then uh, my voice comes in with how to have these conversations. And Chapter 2 in this book goes in and gives a template Uh, not just for understanding how to have these conversations, but also who the different uh, aspects of yourself are that are coming forward that we call money types, like the uh, archetypal patterns in relationship to money. One of the things that uh, we can offer you are some tips and strategies for how to open up the conversation and then also how to move when it does get a bit more heated.
0: So, um, you know, I can jump in or Jamie, did you want to say something first? Well I I would just say why don't you continue and then I'll I'll follow you because um you know our our thought is talk is good but you gotta walk your talk. So continue with the talk part and then we'll talk about walking your talk. Yeah like great (laughs) let's give talk this like this is what they can say. Let's start there.
2: Let's just do that right away. So um, I'm going, to, I'm going to put that on its ear a little bit. I know you're, you might not be happy with me, Marcia, but it's way more about listening than what you say. So it's all about setting the context for a great conversation. So don't be so worried about like like the w- exact words you're going to say, but more about the spirit in which you are opening up the conversation and how you're going to allow for the best flow because communication is way more about listening than speaking. So the first Mm -hmm. thing to do is you want to define your conversation up front. So um, I'm thinking about uh, some parents I was working with just recently, and they have two daughters, and they want them to have a a greater sense of ownership around the amount that's being spent in their lives. And so they're going to open up a conversation with their daughters after dinner while they're all at the table, with opening it up from a place of, have you guys considered how much it actually uh, costs and what we spend in order for you to be able to fly and stay in the motels for the swim meet that we're going to next week? And be in a mood of discovery. So it's about the mood that you bring to it. So it's not about, they may say it with different words than what I just said, but it's opening up the conversation around let's or something together, not from a place of telling and I'm going to show you how this is. It's not that mood. It's a mood of openness and being reflective and wondering. And then the girls are like, you know, No, or, well, you guys just write a check, or don't you just go to that machine and get more money out, you know, like whatever it might be. (laughs) Like, yeah, you know, we were thinking that maybe you didn't really know where it comes from and how we go about making these decisions, and it's important for us to reflect on how much we actually are spending so we can track it, not that it's a problem, not that we shouldn't be spending it, but it's important to track our spending, so then they set the stage for the conversation. Is this what you're
1: looking for, Marcia? Because I want
2: to make sure you're getting what you want.
1: But, you know, just anything, I think it's you're right. It's about people need a jump start to start the conversation. And your point about listening is super important too because there's a way to do that where parents don't have to provide all the information, information, say the right things. But a conversation is about getting it started and then the listening and and, and, and setting the context for it.
2: Yes, and continuing to hold that. So what we often recommend is that people notice and look at when their body and their posture is open and relaxed or when it starts to get a bit contracted or their jaw starts to get a little bit tight or they have a sense of how it should look, drop those. The moment you experience any kind of contraction, that's when you want to take a breath in uh, we spoke earlier on our show today with Linedra Carroll, the author of Architecture of All Abundance, about creating space, giving time to reflect, allowing that quiet when you ask the question for the children to have the safety to step in and answer it. <laughs> Not jumping too quickly to filling that space, to allowing them to take risks, where they know that when they do take that risk, the next response isn't going to be, well, that's wrong. So that's the next piece is when you're having these conversations, using phrases like, oh, that's interesting, or I never considered it that way, or, oh, well, from that perspective, what do you see there? Like So that there's a continued opening for the children to be in their own discovery around what it is you're talking about because they're continually looking for you any anytime you ask a question of what is the right answer, and how do I give you the right answer that's going to make you happy
1: mm. uh Jamie the walking the talk part, I'm intrigued, and I want to first listen i mean read a listener's question that just came in uh and you know you're giving me the idea. Today is about getting the conversation going. We might want to do another show on the Walking Your Talk, because I don't want that to be rushed at the end. That's so important. Um, and we'll maybe say something in a few minutes about that, but I'd like to develop that in a future show. Does that sound good Absolutely. to you?
0: Absolutely.
1: Cool. Absolutely. Okay, now, and I will say to listeners, I appreciate that you're sending these in. This is fabulous. This is you're, you're, you are the other side of this conversation that we're having. Get your if you if you're sitting on a question or just a comment to share, get it in right now. You don't want to send it in five minutes before the show ends, which is it ends in nine minutes. So you
0: just send it in now
1: before the five minute point, because it's so terrible to finally send your mess your your thing your question in and then we don't get to have time to answer it. So if you're sitting on one, send it right away and we'll we'll yeah, put it, in.
2: it- if you if you can't get it in time, you can post it on um, the Sylvia Global Facebook page, and we will get to it. So we want to make sure that you stay engaged. This is great. Yeah.
1: yeah, and that's great to put it on there. Then everybody gets to read it later, too. Okay, here's the question. I came into a sudden inheritance when my mother passed around the holidays. This makes the holidays especially difficult for me on an emotional level. Do you have any advice or encouragement as we enter the holiday season? Also, my biggest challenge is figuring out who to tell and who not to tell about my inheritance. So that's a two-parter, both really important. And this is, you know, we're right. this show is uh, airing two days before Thanksgiving. Christmas follows quickly. Although the year is full of, you know, every few months there's a holiday gathering when families get together. So that part one is really poignant about talking with families or also just entering the holiday season. So Jamie, what do you think about that? Where what would you suggest to this listener?
0: Well they're they're both fabulous questions and, you know, starting with the one about the holidays, I think this is an opportunity. It also sounds like it was just a, a recent um death, that this is an opportunity to start a ritual. Um and to even though it's a sad occasion because you're remembering, try to remember your mother with joy and to maybe think about the values that she held most dear um, and then honor her in some way. Um, It could be with part of your inheritance. Maybe she had certain causes that were very important to her. Maybe it's with your time that she was um, a generous teacher. And so you volunteer with children um, and that, you know, you could work with your family to say, how can we use this time of thinking about our mom's passing and having it coincide with the holidays to have it be as joyful as possible and really to honor her memory um, and to help her? We did a, a, a call two weeks ago or a week ago about living your legacy now. So helping to have her legacy live on, whatever that legacy might be. Lovely. Yeah,
2: it's so important. Um the holidays can be very, very bittersweet. And um really want to acknowledge uh the listener for reaching out and asking for support and we would encourage you to do that with uh your loved ones as well. And again, there's this sense in our culture of you know, putting on the, the best face you can and, you know, sometimes it could be um, as significant as, as Jamie was saying in creating the ritual, is creating the space to be able to really ask for what you need. Like, let's go around and everybody say what we miss most about mom. And having it be okay to cry. Or um, even allowing other emotions to go forward. Like, you know, one thing that I don't miss, even though that might be really sacrilegious, is that can really open up the space, too. Or, you know, it's okay to really honor and acknowledge all aspects of the human being that was lost and who we are now. And so there's a way of stewarding and supporting the legacy of the person who's passed away in the conversation. And then there's also a real power that can come from saying, and this is my personal way of expressing that which really matters to me, that I really am grateful that I was able to cultivate. Um, as a result of being her daughter, so that there's a way of owning your own uh, uh, gifts and your perspective. And so, like, if, let's say, your mother really loved animals and you're really passionate about the environment, maybe there's a way of um, honoring both in some way or um, uh, just allowing your creativity to come forward with that. And um, Jamie, do you want to speak a little bit about um, when and how to talk to people about inheritance?
0: Yeah, let's do a minute on that. Um, I, I think that is um, – I'll try to sum it up in a minute. It's its a big question, and it, it is challenging. Um, I would say you can always um, tell people later. So I um, always advise my clients to be cautious and to test the waters and to get a sense. Um, And what I find, again, you know, this will go for our next show about walking your talk. What's even more important about the words and how you let friends know is how you've accepted it yourself. Because if you feel comfortable with your inheritance and then you tell people, they'll also be very comfortable with it. If you feel very ambivalent and you're worried about being judged and might you lose your friends, then... People can pick up on that and they can be responding to that um, that emotional energy even more to, than what you said. So often I think it, it makes sense for people to really get comfortable with being an inheritor. And it's not something that people feel very comfortable saying. You know, it, it, it often we've had the conversation with I've had the conversation with many clients that it's a little bit like coming out as being gay or bisexual um, that you know, there's there's the fear of the judgment that other people might have. So um, I think that could be another topic of another show, um, in and of itself, because it's something that inheritors really struggle with. And again, this caller is not alone in that question.
1: Well, you know, I yeah. uh, just that bit you gave to uh, that to really look at how comfortable am I, and to the assignment then is to do the work to become really comfortable and at home in your own skin with being an inheritor and then how to do the conversation is secondary to that. But the real influencer is is how comfortable you are or are not. And I would love to do another show on that. That's an incredibly important part of the new feminine wealth. I want to... Uh, give listeners a way to reach you. Now, is the website for them to go to um, the... Well, what I should ask you rather than say the wrong one and imprint that. (laughs) Thank you. It's
2: wealthlegacygroup.net and under our services we have different sections around inheritors, couples, blended families, women, so you can really find that which is most meaningful to you. And uh, you know, I think what you're providing here, Marsha, is so, so important. And we're going to make sure your show is one of the resources that we add to the site. Really Thank valuable. Thank you.
1: You know, and I think listeners here, I'm going to give you your Tuesday morning schedule at 8 a.m. Pacific time, California time. You're going to be sitting down uh, and listening to Amy, I'm um, Amy. Emily, to Emily and Jamie. Oh, I combined your names. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, you're like a Jennifer now. I mean, uh, what is it, you know when they combine Jennifer and, oh, I can't even do it again. Oh, yeah. But, you know, yeah. you're, you're like these Hollywood people with a pair with a combined name. So, But, but let's say Emily and Jamie at 8 a.m. Pacific time for uh, wealth, wealth Psychology with Jamie and Emily. You're going to sit down with your cup of coffee or your tea and your croissant, and you're going to listen, enjoy, and learn fabulous things, and you're going to find a lot that you relate to on that show. Then you'll have a half hour to get up, stretch, do a couple of minutes of Pilates, get another cup of tea, get another croissant, because you just did Pilates, and sit down, and at 9.30, you'll you'll listen to the new feminine wealth. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week.